Hello and welcome everybody to Paranormal Analytical. I'm your host, Eddie Hill, along with our other host, the incredible and dead sexy Rick Warren. Welcome, Rick. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm doing okay. How's Eddie Hill tonight? Doing great. Listen, we got a phenomenal show tonight. And uh, tonight we're actually going to have Josh Turner from Paranormal Roundtable joining us. And uh, as a matter of fact, he is waiting right now to uh get all his stuff set up and going so that he can actually join the show so we're looking forward to him getting here and being a part of the show and talking about uh dogman talking about bigfoot talking about pretty much all things cryptid as well as some of the uh hispanic type folklore that he's actually been involved with and seen and has had experience with some of this stuff That's going to be cool. At, at, I, I like that, that he's so well-versed in different, well, just different categories and what goes on, you know, with, with the different uh, applications of spirituality, so to speak. Hey, we got Gloria Bueno on here. Hey, I have a shout-out to y'all on a podcast I did with a friend a few days ago. Wow, Gloria, thanks, man. That is awesome. We appreciate wow. it so much. Yes. Thank you, Gloria. Yeah, it's good to see you on here too. We're gonna we're gonna have a great show on here, Gloria. As soon as uh, we get our uh, guest on here, he's working on getting his mic and all that kind of stuff set up. So his studio is is kind of like uh, putting it together right now. So hopefully he'll have it together here really quick, and uh, we'll get him on here. And we got uh, the sexiest voice in uh, podcasting. We have Darren Wedlock from New Zealand. Hey guys, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, oh, yeah, we got the incredible Landon Wells. Howdy, boys, who also, by the way, Landon has his own Landon. podcast. And uh, Landon, welcome to the show, buddy. Glad you could make it on here. Um, we have uh, uh, James Lohan, Baker, uh, Lane Weber. There we go. What's up, guys? Looking forward to the show tonight, James. We're looking forward to it as well. Thank you for showing up. Thank you. And uh, we have uh, Angela Evans. Hello, everyone. Hello, Angela. How are you doing? Thank you all so much for joining up. This is going to be a great show. We're looking forward to it. Um, like I said, right now, we're waiting for our guest, Josh Turner, to join from Paranormal Roundtable. And uh, I've been on the horn with him, and he's working furiously on his stuff right now to get it going. So he should be up and running here pretty quick. But as soon as he is and he jumps in, we're going to darn sure get him on the show but until then rick what have you been up to man well eddie i am going to since this is the month for the halloween all's all halloween's halls halloween whatever you call that um i'm looking at going on an investigation i think with some other people and uh we talked to it prior to the show there's a cemetery that we're going to be going out on and um I'm going to be going with some people that have some experience because like you and I were talking about, Eddie, I don't think that some of these cemeteries and things out there are the best place for the beginners, you know, to be going out. If you're just, if you're a first timer, thing like that, I've, I've heard some pros and cons about that, but as far as I'm concerned, um, I'm not sure that that's the best place to start your uh, investigations as far as uh, going to a cemetery to look and see what you can find because you might find something else besides what you're really looking for. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. And I, I'm glad you actually mentioned a cemetery because our very own James Toops, you know, the one with the deep voice, kind of sounds like a white, Barry white. Well, you know what I'm talking about? I can't even get that low. How does he do it? I mean, you know. um, <laughs> I don't know, but I, I bet you there's a trick to it because he can sure get down low when he talks. Something. Yeah. But anyway, he is him, him and his team yeah. are actually out tonight doing an investigation at a haunted cemetery and he may be checking in with us around oh eight thirty or so and uh giving us an update on what they're finding so we're looking forward to that as well that'd be kind of cool to have him pop in and just give us a little surprise yada yada uh as far as where he is on location and everything and um i might share with some of the things that i've i've seen in cemeteries and with it being halloween and uh, the ghosts and goblins, as they say, are going to be out. What do you think about the full moon, Eddie? Has it affected you any in the last couple, three days or anything like that? Have you seen any activity, uh, you know, actually, you know, kind of like, if you will, jumping up? Well, you know, it's funny that you say that because we have had a lot of unusual and uh, multiple, actually, uh, UFO sightings over here in the area, which is kind of weird. Uh, but yeah, it's been a lot of UFO sightings and actually, I don't know if any of you ever use the Nextdoor app, but, uh, a lot of people have been posting photos of some of these triangles that have been in the area floating around. What about the full moon? Do you think that there is, is an actual, uh, correlation between activity, spiritual activity, uh, ghostly activity, whatever you want to call that? Is, uh, is there a correlation between what there is that, I mean, you're a policeman, you know, oh, well, you know I've, I've heard, I've heard of things happening on police, on, on police scanners and things like that. That uh, yeah, as, as far as that goes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we always dreaded a, a full moon night when we were working because we knew it was going to be super busy. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things where the moon's full, you know, you're going to end up with a lot of calls and not just calls, but you're going to end up with a lot of violent calls. So, uh, I mean, it would get pretty bad. Wow. Hold on just a second, Rick. I'm going to give James a call and see if we can get him in a little early. Okay. Okay, go ahead. I know myself as far as, um, you know, being um, on investigations. On full moon are interesting. Absolutely. James Toops. Hey. How's it going, brother? We have James on the line. Oh, my God. We actually got him. James, <laughs> is that James Toops? That is the Toops. We got to talk Still deep. When, we have to talk deep when we talk to James. You got me too, Eddie. All right. We have Danielle on here as well also. Danielle, are you there too? <laughs> I am. Catching a wet ass. They got some bad shit moving in right here, so we're calling it. Oh, sounds like you may not have a very good... Uh, what do you call it? A very good investigation going. No, we're calling it. I got some really good pictures before the uh, the rain and stuff moved in, but I'm literally pulling out of the cemetery right now. Oh heck! Um, we've yep, got. We were just talking, to everybody, that you all were going to be doing an investigation tonight. So I don't know how that's going to pan out for you now. Yeah, it probably won't. So I was hoping to go live and do some video and show everybody, you know, because it's a really cool old cemetery that we're at. It's a private cemetery. You know, there's a lot of old stuff in here, but there's a lot of fresh rain, too. So. 
Well, we got Darren Darren Wedlock on the channel. He just said uh, hello to Danielle. Hi, Darren. So, yeah, and then we got uh, Darren also said James. Hi, man. What's going on, brother? And he is what there, uh, James? He's the sexiest voice in radio. Oh, I. So what are you guys on tonight? What are y'all talking about? Well, we're right now uh, sitting there shooting the crap, and uh, we're waiting right now for Josh to jump on. He's trying to get his studio working. I think he's got problems like you do with the studio. Yeah. So we're hoping that he gets up and going here pretty quick. Are we live right now? We're live right now. That's why everybody's saying hi. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> See, y'all yeah, could be talking about James, and, and he won't even know it. Yeah. Between all the rain and trying to get some good – I did get some good photos of some creepy old stuff out here. and just It's a really peaceful cemetery, you know. I don't know what I find when I download the information, but, um, you know, when this rain started coming in, it got super windy and everything. Now, you all have a, you all have a big front that's moving in in the Houston area, don't you? Yeah, it's coming in right now. As we speak. I don't know if you can hear the rain, but it's in my truck right now. Hmm. Now we can't hear it on this end, but uh, we wanted to give you a call and see exactly uh, what you got going on tonight, and kind of uh, get everybody prepared if you were able to jump on. Uh, we got Rachel Hamby jump on here. She says, "I heard that there is a season that UFO sightings are increased. Have you noticed that there are certain months of the year uh, that there are more UFO sightings than usual?" Uh, Rachel, uh, uh, Rochelle, I'm sorry. Uh, actually, what I found is that if the nights are clear and dark, those are the nights that most UFO sightings are seen a lot easier with most people. And you have more reportings at that time. But it's also during a time when I think uh, more UFO activity seen, it's put out. More people are looking up, and more people have cell phones now and, and video cameras or cameras that, you know, because of their cell phones, that they're able to take pictures and photos and that kind of a thing and be able to put that stuff out. And I think the more that happens, the more people are going to start looking up. And then, of course, the more sightings you're going to actually see. I don't think, for instance, that there is an actual increase. I think that there's a, there are times when people look up and they notice the sky more, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I've been hearing of an uptick. I've been hearing of an uptick in uh, Texas and Mexico. It's been a lot of sightings lately in Texas and Mexico. Now, uh, real quick, Rick and uh, James, Darren says, so even so, you've even noticed more activity on investigations when it's a full moon? Rick or James, either one of you? I have. I, I, I can say personally, as far as on the investigations that I've been on, um, I'm going to go 50-50 on that, Eddie and James, because uh, there's been times when it didn't mean anything. I mean, it was just a full moon. But at the same time, you did feel a higher degree of activity in the essence of the EVPs and, and uh, the EMFs and different things like that. You were, you were getting a lot of activity um, just because it, it was there. A lot of people say that's because the full moon is because um, you have a thinning in the veil, so to speak, during the full moon. So, you know, whether that is part of it or not. But, yeah, I've, I've had some pretty good in, in investigations with the full moon. 
we had a lot of um, EMF activity tonight. A lot of EMF, but I think it, what that was was this lightning stuff that was moving in. So the, the air atmosphere is probably charged up a little bit. We had a lot of lightning that came in with this stuff. Yeah, but I had the EMF meter in my hand, and it wasn't constant. It would like come and go um, with the with the lightning. You would think that it would be just a constant, and it really wasn't. It was more so as I was moving around in different areas. Now we did have the motion. Oh shit, we didn't grab that other motion detector. You left that out there? Yeah, we did. Um, <laughs> we did have some motion detectors out that kept going off as well. Well, Way that's go, interesting. <laughs> Sorry about that. I was just uh, getting an update on Josh. He said he's had some weird stuff happen lately in their studio, so they're still trying to work out some oh. bugs, I believe. So let me guess, James, you Mine and her are going to flip fired. a coin as to who's going to take your ass out there to get your uh, motion detectors, right? That's, that's going to be a negative because okay, she's already got on. a wet ass, and uh, so there's no use to me getting a wet ass, too. <laughs> Hey, we got Sony on here, everybody. Hello, Sony. How are you doing? She says, hi, guys. Hey, hey how's it going? So, yeah, we're and starting to... All the way in, in, she's up in Canada, isn't she? Canada. Yeah, absolutely. We've got her in Canada. I know we've got uh, Darren up in New Zealand. So, yeah. we got Landon, I believe, cool. up in Georgia. Yeah, so we got... They're, they're kind of spread out all over the place. There you go. Cool. That's what we like, man. That's what we like. Yeah, yeah. We need some of our Australia listeners to jump in, too. We haven't had Australia people in a while. Oh, no, I mean, they might as well. They're already locked down in their houses. They ain't got shit else to do, right? Yeah, they're stuck. Well, I heard some nastiness going down in that place, and uh, the same with Darren uh, mm-hmm. in New Zealand. They're really starting to clamp down on that little island, so to speak, too. So, damn. Yeah, yeah it's kind of going crazy everywhere. But, yeah, I mean, right now, with the way things are, I mean, UFOs are being seen pretty much all over the place. We're getting a lot of uh, reports, a lot of reports, on, which is really weird on the Nextdoor app. If you don't have the Nextdoor app, you need to get it and uh, and, and check it out because, I mean, you'll, you'll see all kinds of stuff. And I think we have Josh joining up right now, everybody. Hang on just a moment. We'll get him on here. Cool. Hello, Angela in New Zealand. And here we go. We got Josh. Hey, there he is. Hey, how's it going? Josh, welcome to the show, man. Good to be here. Hey, we got audio on you. Thing going, working. I've been having some weird uh, issues going on in the in the studio. Well, yeah, I think uh, you and James are about uh, in the same what boat. Are you guys we got talking about. We have James on the on the phone line right now on the on the show. Hey, and uh, how's it going, Josh? Yeah, going? James was trying to do an investigation earlier, but they got kind of rained out up there in the Houston area. Oh, is it raining over there? I was pouring ass. Yeah. Oh man, is it is it headed our way? Is it, am I going to be hit with it too? Oh man, I hope no. Not. I think, where are you at right now? Austin. No, I think it's moving away, right? It's moving away. Uh, yeah, it's Austin, not going that far north. Yeah. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, it's like a red line of shit going through. It's like a front behind it or something. So, Josh, tell us, what have you been up to, man, on the Paranormal Roundtable? We want to know. 
Well, uh, this last uh, show I did, we was with uh, on my show. It was Paul Sinclair, who is a dogman slash werewolf investigator. He has a show. He has his own uh, podcast. Um, oh my gosh, I was just on it last week. The tr- uh, Truth Proof. Um, oh man, I'm I don't, I'm so bad. I've been I've been making the tour this 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 October. So. I'm- <laughs> trying to keep up um it just it's it's been a whirlwind and i and i'm and i'm slated to do three or four more shows before halloween then i got my halloween special but anyway i was on paul sinclair's show and he's written several books about the flixton werewolf and he's written about the paranormal and uh so yeah, i was on his show um earlier in the month and then he came on and we did a set together on my show and uh, I think he was a, a brief, a live uh, stream guest. Usually, I bring somebody on my live stream to talk and promote, and then in about thirty minutes to an hour, and then I'll record with them, and then we'll we'll uh, lay it out there the information they had. Well, we barely scratched the surface. So, me and Paul, um, we were going to call the episodes "Dogman Origins" because it goes back into the antiquity of these creatures and there's their uh the beginnings of them in england and where they came from and how the legends go all the way back to the roman times and the viking age you know um a lot of different uh civilizations blew through england um and uh you know the romans the 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 vikings of course the celts the saxons you know and so we just we talked about that and we got into it and when he came on my show we, we we you know we went into all this about the, the black dog, like in Spanish, we call the Cadejo, you know, uh, the Cadejo is the black dog, you know, and then of course the, the, this werewolf looking creature that people see, they call it dog man. I had never heard that term. My tia always call it the hombre lobo. Mm-hmm. And she used to scare the crap out of me with that. <laughs> we were going to San Juan to light candles. She would, she, she'd be, my mom would be yelling at me and smacking me with the, you know, like telling them to turn it around, you know, and you better behave, you know, whatever. Getting so after you on it. Tell me these stories, you know, and then one of them was the, uh, the manos paluros, you know, with the hairy hand. Mm-hmm. They scared the crap out of me, dude. By the time I got to San Juan, I was lighting candles left and right, dude. <laughs> so, uh, it was pretty bad. I mean, it, you know, and in Mexican culture, you know, you got the lachuzas in the sky. You never know. And then the llorones in the water and hambre lobos running around in the woods. And you got the el cucuy in the closet and fantasmos are everywhere. And I always thought it was like these mentiras, dude. El chupacabra, you know. Like nobody believes that, you know. And then when I was 15, uh, I saw one. Yeah, you I had a run-in with one, like didn't you, Josh? You had a run-in. Yeah, I did. Yeah, uh, 15 years old in my hometown, and uh, I'll, actually, I had a guy named Charlie Perez who I, I created an action figure line, um, and our, our mutual friend Ken Gerhard is a part of that action figure line, and uh, it started with this. He sculpted this, this thing right here. I, I didn't believe that somebody could ever show me, you know, show me what I had seen. Ken had talked about a forensic sketch artist, you know, bringing him in and having him with some of our witnesses to sketch, you know, what they had seen and, you know, and that from Charlie Perez, that was the closest that I'd ever come to have actually, you know, seeing what I saw when I was 15. Wow. It was uh, October 31st, I, 1990. I got to jump in here real quick. Uh, Darren Wedlock says, 
to Josh Turner. He says, there are so many Fruit Loops in the paranormal. Now that I know Josh is professional, I'll have to watch it. He said, there are so many Fruit Loops in the paranormal. Yeah. And he goes, now that I know Josh is professional, I'll have to watch it. And uh, so you got a, you got a good viewer over here from New Zealand. So uh, he's in New Zealand. And also just found out Angela Evans, she's from New Zealand as well, too. So, Your audio is kind of breaking up a little bit there. Yeah, so we, we have two from New Zealand that are going to probably be watching your show, and especially one for sure, at pretty avidly. So uh, you'll see uh, Darren Wedlock. He is, uh, uh, he's been on our show many times. We've talked about, whoops, we just lost Josh. Where'd Josh go? Hey, I got to jump off, too. Eddie, I just, I got to jump. I landed where I'm at. I'll put the show on the phone, and uh, you guys have a great show, and I'll be checking it out from this side. And, uh, Sounds good. Downloading some information. Well, good luck over there, man. Be safe. Appreciate you guys. See y'all later. All right. Yeah, so we just lost Josh, but I'm sure he'll get back there. He's been having some issues with his uh, internet, so... Uh, I know how that goes. I've got a terrible shitter net over here where I'm at, but at least right now we're up and running, so that's a plus. <laughs> but, uh, wow. yeah, Darren, wow. uh, he runs the Paranormal Roundtable, and great guy. Him and I actually chatted on the phone for about an hour, hour and a half uh, the other day, and he is just full of stories, full of encounters, all kinds of crazy stuff. Great guy, very professional, and uh, just a wealth of knowledge. So, uh we're we're pretty lucky to have him uh joining us tonight on the show so uh hopefully he can get back on here in just a moment but uh james where were we i'm not sure we got him anymore either james yeah i think he's already gone so yeah so rick and uh oh landon says uh josh's shows are fantastic I'm gonna have to. Ch- I'm gonna have to check into those too. I really. Um, I've heard of it. I've saw it on the internet, and just like, well, just like um, uh, Jared was talking about. I mean, there's there's so many people that are on right now. You don't know what to watch, and you don't know. You know what I mean, Eddie? Right. It's right. Kind of like uh, you you well, flip a coin and and see what's where it's going to land. Well, I can vouch for Josh on Paranormal Roundtables. I mean, these are they're they're for real. They're they're real. They're uh they're they have a wealth of knowledge. Great guy, uh he has good guests on there that are just full of knowledge. Uh him and I we share a, a mutual friend Ken Gerhard, who's a cryptozoologist, and uh mm-hmm. he's he's really uh super super knowledgeable. And uh so I think uh we're like I said we're just really lucky to have him on here. And uh let's see here, Josh is I think he's trying to get back on over here. So hopefully we'll see him back here in just a minute. I'm just looking over here to see if there's any updates. Um, now he's coming back right now, so let's let's try and see if we can get him back. Okay, do we have him on here? I Come think in, Josh. He's trying. He's trying. He's trying. Well, we he he's trying to get on here right now, so. I think he's got some internet issues going on. But, uh, so hopefully we'll see him on here in just a moment. Anyway, let's get back to some UFO talk. Oh, he fell off. Almost had him. Did he fall? Mm. Yeah. Try again, Josh. If you're listening and watching, try again, man. We're rooting for you. You can do it. <laughs> there you go. There and, you go. uh, let's see here. 
What do we have here? Where can you watch Paranormal Roundtable? If you, it, it, you're on Facebook, so if you get on search and do a search for Paranormal Roundtable, Josh Turner, uh, you can check it out there. I'll, I'll go ahead and post a link on here and see if I can't get it on here. Uh, he says it keeps dropping. And keep trying. Landon says that he always downloads it off the iHeartRadio. I'm going to have to be doing some looking into that program, too. I think that's going to be something very interesting, Eddie. Let's see. I'm, I'm, I'm just messaging him. I said, keep trying, LOL. So <laughs> <laughs> hopefully he'll make it on. And uh, I'm going to let me get let me get his page up and running over here. Rick, take over for a moment while I uh, pull okay. up Paranormal Roundtable. I would be interested since we have Darren and um, um, Angela from New Zealand. We have Sonia up in Canada. Um, I don't know where Landon is right now, if he's still down in the south or what is going on. I think Landon's in Georgia I be, still. I would be interested in, in hearing about who, what, and where is going on with these with these UFO encounters, with the sightings. If anybody has had any experience with, with what's going on right now as far as um, the phenomena that they call, you know, abduction. And um, it, it's something that has always intrigued me, Eddie. It is something that has totally intrigued me because I, for one, do not believe that we are alone. And I, I know that that's, that's a, um, sometimes a controversial statement to make, but at the same time, uh, there's a lot of people that, that believe the same thing as far as we just are not alone in this galaxy. We're not alone in this world. And um, I think that we're finding out because the United States Air Force has hid a lot, a lot of information and documentary type stuff away from the public in the interest of, quote, safety, that I think we should have been told about a long time ago. What do you think, Eddie? Oh, I agree. And there's a lot more that we still have to learn that I, I think is actually going to be coming out before too long. So I don't think we're going to be uh, with a lack of knowledge for very long at all. It would be interesting to see what they say as far as what um, I know that there's information concerning that as far as the UFOs, the um, water type vehicles coming out and everything else like that that's happening as far as the UFOs and everything like that. But at the same time, um, I want to know more about what that topic is going to be like. I think we have Josh. We got Josh yeah, back on, on my screen. There's two of me. I don't know what's going on. Two of you. Yeah, it's showing up. Like it says there's two different. I had to use my phone. I don't know what's going on. The computer it was freezing up, and it, I don't know what what's going on. The internet's mm. out or something. Just stop. Well, we've we've only got one of you on here, so uh, that's a plus. So don't 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 listen to what your phone's saying. It's lying. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so so Eddie, you, you're a police officer, right? Yeah, deputy sheriff. Deputy sheriff, and yeah. uh, and I'm also retired police officer yeah. and started doing this again so yeah i retired and had 30 years on and retired and now i'm back at it again and i'm uh, just doing my thing how long have you had this uh your show oh we've been doing this for how long rick oh gosh um i've been with you for over five years wow and yeah you and you and i've been in the paranormal for 
I mean, we can go back and show you um, evidence of us carrying the boom boxes and yeah. cassette players and things like that when we first started out. Yeah. Well, we were collecting, actually, we were collecting EVPs before we even knew they were called EVPs. Yeah. 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 You know, and uh, so this was, I mean, we started doing this way, way back. I mean, in the 90s. That's when we actually started doing uh, a lot of the paranormal investigations. And uh, probably, I want to say, middle, about middle 90s, we started uh, doing it more or less on a professional type level. And uh, we've had the show going for quite a long time. What uh, what got you guys started in this? Oh, God, I've had experiences since I was real little. And uh, Rick, he's Native American, so he's had a lot of experience growing up, you know, as far as uh, dealing with different types of uh, Native American type uh, uh, folklore and spirits and, and things of that nature, uh, you know, doing a lot of his uh, uh, meditations and, and the things that they do there on the reservations and stuff. So, I mean, both of us, have we've exchanged stories, and, I mean, it's just been going for a long time. And uh, not only that, but even starting from the time I was probably, I want to say, around four or five years old, when i started uh, having encounters with black shadows and things of that nature so i mean it just grew from there and so most of the topics that i've always dealt with you know whether i was in high school or in college or whatever i was doing you know as far as papers go we're dealing with uh paranormal or it's dealing with uh cryptids or, or th ufos things of that nature so it's always been a part of my life ever since i can remember uh my grandmother was a curandera you know so i think that had a lot to do with it you know so yeah, a Kulandera medicine woman, huh? Yep. Yeah, a healer, because a bruja is uh, a witch. It's uh, the opposite of a Kulandera. And, uh, I was just going to ask you about that, Josh, because I had a, um, a uh, experience down on the Navajo Reservation there in Arizona. And I stayed with this uh, woman and her friends for about, mm, I'm going to say 10 weeks. And I walked into a uh, situation to where we went up on one of the mesas one time and there was a Hogan there. And the guy that come in uh, and the lady that was there, she was a bruja. She was probably a, one of the strongest, strongest individuals I've ever met spiritually. It took actually, when I got back from Arizona to Wichita, Kansas, it took three cleansings by the elders to get rid of her out of my psyche so to speak she was that strong mm. she probably attached something to your heart there's a spell like uh like a corazon. it's kind of like it attaches to your heart and they actually use there's a type of magic that they can actually use to um literally mess with your blood i mean it's it's crazy i mean like the kind of things that that some of these uh people can do with curses and you have to be prayed up. You just have to be strong in the faith, and, and it's very it's very difficult. Um, I've been under a curse uh, at least three times that I know of, and uh, and then recently I've been uh, told that I was under an Amish curse. <laughs> That's a whole other uh, ball of wax. Yeah, I got with a person that was supposedly an Amish. I I, I, th I think he was kicked out of the ordinance, and he tried to. Um, pass off a story that I didn't believe and so we kind of had this whole I just tried to ignore him and everything but he just wouldn't go away and now um, he's got somebody claiming that he's an Amish uh, person that does powwow and uh, it's a very powerful magic that they use and they mm -hmm. 
they, they, they curse you with it. Now it mm. sounds silly. People, when you, when you think of the Amish, you don't think of, you think of these peaceful farming people who just want to be left alone or kind of a closed knit community. But there's a lot of dark magic things that go on within that community. Um, when I was running a nightclub downtown, I had two, like um, there were two males and a female that had left, uh, the organ and they were already in their early twenties. But two of them had left during Rumspringa. Now, Rumspringa is when they decide, you know, when the teenagers, if they're going to go into the English world, is what they call our world, yeah. or they're going to stay Dutch. Kind of a separation. Yeah, and you decide whether or not, basically, you're choosing between heaven and hell, according to them. And if you leave the ordinance, then you're basically doomed. You're going to go to hell, but you're going to live in the world. Um, and then the one friend of mine, Zeke, he left when he was 20. But there was a lot of deceit and vile things that went on, and he, he told me about it. And um, when this individual was telling his stories, he didn't buy it. He was like, I don't really believe this. So I just kind of distanced myself. And then um, that person became, as we say in Spanish, chiloso, very jealous. And he had a, a, a big problem with me. And I started making videos, made a, made a YouTube channel, started making videos like every other week about how, um, you know, I was – doing all this horrible stuff by surrounding myself with famous and powerful people so I could advance myself and I was this and I was that and I was like what are you talking about you know if you talk if you're saying interviewing people who've written books or going on and talking to people you know about their podcasts and yeah I guess I don't know what he's, I don't know what he was driving at but um, one of my buddies, Barton Nunley, uh, had some dealings with him, and it was all based on him supposedly having witnessed the dogman killings in the LBL, the land between the lakes. And I did this whole live stream series about it, um, of which he came on the show and he argued vehemently with the head of the NADP, Jody Cook. Um, and Barton kind of mediated, me and Barton mediated, and this guy wanted me to. You know, I guess just keep promoting him and putting him, you know, and I was like, dude, you told your story. Um, if somebody believes that they believe it or they don't, they don't. I can't make people believe you. Right. You know? And the more deeper dive I went in, I started to realize that this was, I didn't believe it myself. Um, and so now I'm, I'm supposedly uh, under some sort of Amish death curse. But uh, like I said, I've been under a Vietnamese death curse. I've been cursed to... Uh, by a bruja and I've been, I've been, you know, multiple times. So, um, something happens to me, I guess it's one of those. I mean, you know, but I, well, you're, you're, you're treading in territory that I'm not even close to being familiar with when you're dealing with Amish stuff. So Josh, I was married to a Mennonite and right next door to the Mennonite are the Amish. Yep. And, uh, we, we, we got very close. I did as far as, I mean, the integral, intricacies of of that religion so to speak and my native american religion we were very very in sync with what they did and what was going on and they would only allow me in so far just the same as they i only allowed them in so far into my world too because it is so integral in the essence of saying that it is a spiritual experience for both now now real quick i don't know if we have josh or not it looks like he's frozen I, think he froze josh yep, lost him again yeah. damn oh. yeah we just keep losing it i don't know just when the conversation getting good eddie <laughs> hey josh are you still there by voice yeah i'm here can you hear me we hear you which is really weird because i don't see you I anywhere can't. on here i can't hear him either eddie 
Oh, that's really weird. Uh, try and kill it completely and come back because I think you're still floating in there in some kind of spirit platform of some sort, Cyber. you know cyber spiritual war yeah <laughs> this is crazy i've never you know what's really weird i've never had this happen uh, to where i can I hear the guest but i can't see him unless of course i had him on a phone call like we had james earlier so right. this is this is a first for us yeah and it's halloween so you know yeah you know? josh yeah. uh try and kill it completely man and try and come back i don't know yeah. what's going on wow so wow. yeah and i was just fixing to tell him to to jump in there and tell us about his uh his uh dogman encounter i mean he had, he has, he's got some great stories on this stuff rick i want to hear that i really do because you know? eddie i mean we had a guest at one time we were talking about the dogman and everything and and um she told us about the an expose or something that was going up in illinois and up in that area anyway and i, I did some research on that in michigan the areas around michigan and the actuality of what happened during that time when the dog mm-hmm. man was coming out in the early, late 1800s, I believe, mm-hmm. in Wessex County or something like that, and and everything that transpired up there. And it's so amazing, the stories that you get from different areas about the it's, dog man. It's so hard to get good yeah, stories on dog man. We got him back. You know, and yeah. when you do get them, you really want to pay attention because uh, dog man stories are very rare. Um and Josh, I know you got uh, welcome back again. Maybe it's just you. Do you only see you this time, or do you still have two of you? Oh, I still got. I got a doppelganger on here, but oh hell! <laughs> hey, you know what that is? That's that. That's that curse. That's that curse. That's that double you that's in here. Well, um, it should be a shadow me then, because typically that's how they look. Uh, it's really weird when we're, we're talking about all that because. Um, I had a guy named Patrick Meekin, who's a who's a Christian. Uh, he preaches a word, and he's, he's he he built a house in Ohio uh, that was right next to Amish territory, and he believes that they had cursed him. And when we started talking, weird things started happening. We were hearing noises and stuff like that, and then we couldn't. The audio was bad. Well, I found out something really weird. I was on Tony Murphy's show, The Confessionals, um, and we were recording uh, Wednesday. Well, the day before, which was Tuesday on my live stream, Patrick Meekin had said, well, I got to record with somebody, and then when I'm done, I'll jump on your live stream and we can promote, you know, um, and we can promote his his web, his uh, YouTube channel and his books that he's written um, about a haunted house he lived in because he built it on an Amish, next to the Amish territory. And they weren't too fond of him. And uh, so they cursed him. Now, it was really weird because when I recorded with Tony the next day, Tony tells me, yeah, I had this guy on my show and some weird audio things started happening. And then when he told me, you know, about the guy and the nature of what, what had gone on with this guy, I was like, wait a minute, his name Patrick Meekin? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So like, I, I literally was on my show last night and he was like you're kidding me and i said yeah i was like right after he got off with you he got on with me but i didn't know that he was tony merkel that he had recorded with well he got on my show and had audio issues and he had audio problems with tony and when me and tony recorded the first hour and a half there was no sound like he showed on there you know that, that, that that there was a recording that was made but there was no sound and when he tried to import the 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 video, uh, like to, to show, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't work. And so we're, we're, it wouldn't show anything. It just showed the, the the waves on there, and then it was gone. 
So I did a whole hour and a half with him, and then I had to redo it, but I had already told everything, so I figured, why not? He said, you want to reschedule? I said, no, I'm really busy. Let's just go ahead and knock it out. And then I ended up doing three more hours altogether. So we did a four-and-a-half-hour recording, got three hours out of the material. Wow. Um, but it was really weird that Patrick had had the same issues with them. Um... Now, one of the things that, that uh, Tony talked about on his show was that there were these uh, black magic practitioners um, who had – the ability uh, and one people he had interviewed uh, was a Satanist and they, and they had the ability to conjure up these demonic werewolf looking creatures. And I had a guy on my show named Juan Arturo Mata. And, and he actually uh, talked about uh, going out to Pedernales state park and and having uh, an encounter with what he believed were sorcerers that were were doing some sort of, uh, uh, ritual and that they and that they changed into some sort of creatures and um, you know like shapeshifting shapeshifting yeah and he, he and, and so I know the skinwalker thing is weird I, I have a my cousin Trey who came on my show he talks about when he was on the Wind River, Wind River Reservation and he was actually there we go we can change it down maybe we can put it on put it on put it on put it on let me, let me jump off real quick. There we go. Now we can try to bring him back on. Now I do what? Where do you go? Bringing him back. There we go. Hey, there he okay, is. So there we go. Now I can I can actually uh, talk and, and look like you guys. <laughs> uh, gotcha. Sorry about the big mess. I don't know what's going on. My studio's been whacked out lately, dude. I mean, I don't know what's going on. When I was recording um, with Paul Sinclair, the lighting kept going out and things were weird. And then it did it with Tony, too. And uh, so I don't know. I, I just, so, you know, and I normally don't do a lot of shows. I don't know if Ken told you that, um, uh, Eddie, but, but, uh, you know, Ken recommended that we hook up and I said, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. You know, when we, you talked, I liked you instantly, but, uh, it's nothing personal. It's just, it's a lot of work and I do so much work with my own show that I don't do a lot of shows. Right. And I hadn't done any shows in months. And then this month I've, I'm, I'm on like fourth or fifth. And by the end of the month, I'll probably have had about eight or nine. Wow. Um, but it's just, uh, I have a lot of material and I can talk just about anything because I've had a lot of, of paranormal experiences that were of the spiritual nature, but I, I had this encounter. Um, if you want to call it that a cryptid with this, uh, this werewolf looking creature when I was 15. Um, but I, I, I do believe that there's something more to what we're dealing with. Um, you know, when I had Ken Gerhardt and Lyle Blackburn and Barton only on the show, we did a, a special, uh, October special, you know, because those guys are real busy. I'm real busy and we're doing all kinds of stuff. So we, we put together a special. It was on Monday uh, before last. And we we talked about Bigfoot slash Dogman physical metaphysical. And, of course, Ken is considered an aper in, in, in the Bigfoot community. He believes that they're flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. I personally think that there's two different things going on with that. Now, you being Native American, Warren, this is going to be interesting for you, okay? Awesome. I, I, I am a Wulu, okay? As Eddie knows, that is, I look like a Wulu, you know? And <laughs> some of the Mexicans might even call me a gabacho. <laughs> I don't really consider myself that, but I was raised up in the Latino community, you know? <clears throat> and so um, 
my mother, you know, my mom and dad split when I was little. And so I was raised in the barrio for a long time. I had a, it was, my hometown was pretty segregated and, uh, you know, it was different neighborhoods, you know, and I lived in the, in the Mexican neighborhood. And, uh, when you look like uh, a weddle, you know, you get a lot of fights. So oh learn, yeah. Learn I can tell you all about that. Know? Yeah. So I learned boxeo real quick, you know, when I was young, you know, I learned how to, to throw those hands, you know, and, and uh, I've been, you know, in a lot of fights and downtown at the club I used to work. I've been stabbed twice. You know, uh, they pull out the fillet and, you know, big guy like me, they'll cut at you. And so I've been through the ringer, you know, and so I, I, nothing really scares me, you know. But when I was 15, what I saw scared the heck out of me. And I just I'll never forget it. You know, and, and when you first see something like that, it's such an aberration, you know. And I always say that not an apparition, but an aberration. Aberration, right. And, and years later. And I'll get back to that in a minute. But years later, I had a friend named Johnny. Uh, and he was an ex-military guy, and, and and I got to know him pretty well. And and I met him in, uh, in on the Nellis Air Force Base. Um, and I'm not going to tell you what I was doing there, but anyway, <laughs> I was on the Nellis Air Force Base, and I was I met him through this guy who was a, who was a a, a good friend of my uh, sister's, uh, and so he introduced me, and and I, I he told he was a Ute Indian, Native American. Mm-hmm. And he was from the Ute Reservation. Now, the Utes are actually under the curse of the Skinwalker uh, because of their uh, warring with the Navajo. And the Navajo um, take it very personal. Like, it's like a blood feud. It's, it's it in the sangre, yeah. as they say, in the blood. And the Hopi also. The Hopi, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And so, you know, the, the Navajo were not... Um, because I'm, I'm a quarter Comanche, so people th- don't understand, like, Mabulita, you know, being a Comanche. And so they don't really understand, like, how Native Americans, how they are. My Mabulita uh, could barely speak any, uh, like, like English at all. And she spoke very uh, accented Spanish. It wasn't clean. And my tia and everybody, they all spoke real good Spanish, my mother, everybody. Um, but her Spanish was a little off, and I never understood why. And then I figured that out. She was actually a Comanche. And it wasn't until I got older that I realized when she had passed, I was like, what kind of Native American are we? And they were like, the Comanche, you know. And a Comanche actually is not even what they call themselves. They, that's, a, that's a Spanish term. They're actually Nermana or Nermana. And they speak the Nerm language. And she she had a grasp of it, and she spoke a little bit of French. We didn't really know where that came from. There must have been some traders or trappers that had come through, and she learned some. Um, and and of course, when she died, she was 107 years old. Wow! And then, yeah, she was very old, and uh, and so it was really it was really weird. Like when you grow up like that, she loved me. Um, but it, it, it was like, she scared me, you know, cause she'd be smoking the brajo and sitting with the home rolled cigarros, you know, and then she'd be sitting in her, her, uh, uh, rocket chair and I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'm she's staring right at me <laughs> and I'm going like, it scared the crap out of me. And she would ask me things like one time she asked me in Spanish, you know, if I saw the dead. And uh, I was like seven, you know, and uh, the answer was, yeah, I had seen some weird things. Um, my Aunt Agnes on my dad's side had died and I saw her. I also saw my Wolita, which would have been her, actually her daughter. I saw her. She died before I was born. I mean, before I was two. 
And when I was just real little and I was digging in a toy box and I turned around and I heard shuffling of feet and I looked back and I see this woman with glasses and I don't know who she is. She kind of looked like my mother, but like a lot older. And so when I told my mom about it, it was December 7th. Um, when I was a little kid, it was 1982. And I remember that day because it was Pearl Harbor Day. That's the only reason I remember it, the day. And I remember at school, we had to do some kind of, we'd colored some kind of thing, you know, whatever, like a flag or something. And uh, we were playing in my friend's backyard like we always did because his mother got off earlier than my mom. So she would go and pick us up and I'd be there for a couple of hours in the backyard playing football, jumping on trampoline until my mom picked me up. And uh, I was digging in the toy box for a pump for a football. And I look back and I see this woman. So I asked my mother about this woman because it kept bothering me. And she goes, when I described the, the woman to my mother, my mother started to tear up. And I said, what's wrong, you know? And uh, she, she pulled out a photo album and she asked me to point to the woman. There was a photo of three women. And I said, that one right there, that's her. She's like, that's your Wurlita, you know. Now, her mother, my Wurlita, the older Wurlita, died when I was like, like uh, I think, eight or nine. I think nine years old. Um, she was full blood Comanche. And she, uh, we called her Wella. But she said that when I was born that I had Ojo Dotaro which is the gift of the eye. You're born with the eye. You can see it. And it's not like you're that special because supposedly like one in four kids is born that way, but it's a gift that you're given and you're supposed to be able to do something with it. And if you don't, then it just kind of falls by the wayside. And mine was in danger of doing that because when I was growing up, people were telling me that I was, I wasn't seeing what I was seeing. And I think that there are some people who are conduits for this. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was on the Ute reservation and I was told by my friend that, that when they did, I took the button. Um, he told me, he said, you're the only white man I've ever, we've ever done this with. And his grandfather was a medicine man and they called him Grey Dove. Now he was a really cool guy. He was a funny guy. And uh, he was, he was, a, he was, a, he was a character. So anyways, we started having our visions um, quote unquote hallucinations as some as the, the white man would call it, right. but it wasn't um, it wasn't hallucinations because I was seeing the same thing that the guy next to me was seeing and that Johnny was seeing, and I'm like, are we looking at the same thing here? And these things that we were seeing, there were three of them. At first, there were three of them. Then there was like all they were all around us. We were in what we called the sacred circle. There were three entities that looked like reptiles. Um, probably eight or nine feet tall, like lizards. They look like lizards. That's all I can describe them. And something similar to what a lot of people call the reptilians as far as uh, that alien race that's supposed to live here on Earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when, when, when that was going on, I was told, don't be afraid, and, but don't get up and panic and run away because they can physically manifest if you leave. So, you know, your trip becomes, you know, whatever. Well, knowing what I knew about the Calejo, my mom's family, uh, being native and Mexican, they were very poor and they grew up chopping cotton. And when they were children, they would chop cotton. They were teenagers. They chopped cotton until they were adults, you know? And one of the stories that Matia told me before she became a seamstress, which she did for like 40 years, she chopped cotton. And she said that the Cadejo had literally come out of the wood line one day and attacked this dude named Martin. And what happened was, it's espaso es celoso, you know, she was jealous. She had a, a problem, you know, with this, uh, with him because he was cheating. 
So she turned this, uh, what's it, this bruja, and it turned a curse loose on this guy. Now, when this carejo comes out of the woods and it goes up and it starts to maul this guy, and there was nobody around, they always attacks when there's nobody around. He went to get the agua, the water, you know. Mm-hmm. And she told me, she said, it came out of the wood line, there was a black dog. A giant looking dog that had like this smoke looking stuff coming off of it. And that's important. I'll tell you why later. Um, This thing ran right up on the guy and and took him down and started mauling him, just tearing him apart. By the time the workers got there, uh, the dog had retreated and gone into the woods and it was gone. Now, what they saw was a man being ripped apart. When they got up to the man, there was nothing wrong with him. He was absolutely nothing wrong. but he according like to what they were seeing, him, you know? they were actually seeing him getting tore apart till they got to him. And then I guess what they were seeing may have been some sort of a, a overlap as far as what the animal was doing to basically probably toward toward his soul, if I had to mm-hmm. guess. And then but physically he was he was still intact and fine. Yep. And he and the, the cause of death was always heart attack, cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. Now, know, I've got a question two, real I mean, quick. I got to jump on here. Uh. Darren Wedlock says, does Josh think it was just flesh and blood or something more than that? And uh, then uh, there was another comment. Good question. I'm thinking interdimensional. Another one posted. Yeah. Well, here's what I'll I'll do. What I'll tell you. Um, So what happened on the reservation? I didn't leave. I was pretty much terrified. And when you're on peyote, you're kind of like, I'm just sitting there going like, I hope I survived this. Cause I had never taken the button before I had done other things, but not that. Um, and so, you know, I was pretty wild, you know? Um, so I, 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 it was, you know, it was, it was scary, you know, it was really scary. Now, when I went to Brian head, uh, Utah, I had a weird experience of something like knocking on my door all night. And I kept thinking that it was something that had followed me from the reservation or something. I was like, what is that? You know, like, I don't know what that was, but I had two witnesses that were there. They were just like freaked out, you know, and they're like, you brought something back, you know? So I called my friend and he said that, no, that's very common. Sometimes after that, you'll have some residual things that will happen to you. And I said, well, it's not in my mind because other people are around and it's they're they're witnessing it, you know? Um, so what ended up happening, I, uh, back back to what happened when I was 15, I'll explain something to you. The reason that, that, that it's important that he, what he said about if you leave the, the safety, you know, um, these things can, can manifest physically and, and, and kill you. But if you're, if you're, if you stay steadfast, you know, whatever, you're okay. Well, the same thing with the Cadejo, you know, it goes and it attacks a guy and then it shows that there's nothing wrong with him. Now, I was given those stories. I had talked about them on my Halloween show in 2019. I talked about this guy in Detroit. He was homeless. And he witnessed this at least twice of these black and hound-looking dogs um, attack one of his friends and literally do the same thing. So when he was telling me this, I was thinking, like, I've heard this before, like, as a kid, you know. Um, so I had a buddy that had come on my show a few times and he's actually, uh, part Lapan. He's half Lapan, uh, Apache. And he came on my show and he talked about the Cadejo and, and the curse of the black dog, you know, and, and, uh, what it does and how it works. And that, that Taylor to Maynard corridor here in Texas, a lot of cotton fields. And there was a lot of reports of these things roaming around these black dogs. Um, but they would, they were heat sinking missiles. They would only go after people who had been cursed by the Bruja, you know? And so there's some, there's some thread there. 
Now, they always described them as having some kind of something coming off of them. Well, here's my encounter from when I was 15. I'll start right now if you gentlemen would like me to do that. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So when I was 15 years old, there was a tradition in my hometown that we go out and egg cop cars. Sorry, Eddie. Uh, <laughs> which is, it's what we do. We're bad little chelitos, man. And we we're out there throwing huevos, you know, and hitting the cop cars, man. And it was like, hey, man, let's go throw them at the, at the Dahura, you know? <laughs> and so we were throwing eggs and, you know, and we were on Davis street and we would run through the backyard. And you know, what's crazy is the police. I mean, they knew us from when we were kids, dude. So it's like, they're like, you little, you know yeah well they they didn't they, you, you didn't realize at the time what kind of a canine unit they had yeah well it's, what's crazy is like when, when uh we got back to my friend's house um you know i think that uh one of the officers had already called my friend's mother and was like hey we saw them we identified them so I, they kind of left it up to the parents to discipline you you know so his mother was very religious she had been catholic but she'd converted to pentecost so we got in there and she was just like, yeah, she's a Pentecost. So we got in there and she's got the Bible and she's like, y'all are bad. You know, I'm going to do this and that, you know, and I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. And she's like, and your mom called and, you know, my mom had converted to non-denominational, but she said, your mom called and she said, you better get home and on one of those excuses, blah, blah, blah. Gave the whole rundown, you know. So I called her and all I got was a tirade of Spanish with her cussing me out in every syllable. And my mom's not a cusser, but I used to just make her pull her hair out, you know. <laughs> and uh, she passed back in May. So I, I really miss her dearly. But um, she she was just beside herself. Like, you just, I'm not coming to get you. You walk home, you know. And it was like 1130. And I'm like, man, you know, I was only about 20 minutes late. She gave me a liberal curfew that night because she knew I was going to be out anyway. So she says, as long as you come on by 11 o'clock, I won't, I won't castle you. So I said, okay. So ended up 1120 and I'm like, I'm, we're late, dude. We're late, dude. You know? And, and so my mom said, no, no dice. She's not going to come get me. So we walked down to the local circle K right down the street was about a block away from my friend's house. Uh, and I'm walking up the, the, this little hill, you know, to go to the, 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 get to the stop sign. Well, that next block over is when we saw something weird. Well, of course, I was sitting there complaining about how mean my mom was and whatever. Really and truly, it was me just being a little turd, little tequacha, you know. And I get up to this corner, and uh, I see this thing sitting in a ditch. And I'll never forget as long as I live. I can tell the story a thousand times, and it's it just it will never it will never not give, give me goosebumps when I talk about this thing. And it looked like a black German shepherd at first. And then I realized how big it was because it kind of turned its head to the side. And I thought, whoa, you know, that's not a German shepherd. That's some kind of wolf. I, you know, I don't know what it is. And the, the guy that I was with, he's now a preacher in my hometown. And uh, he kind of put up his hand and kind of was like, you know, he kind of stopped me, you know, because I was looking down talking, you know. And uh, when I started staring at this thing, I couldn't take my eyes off of it. And I knew 100% that it wasn't a a normal canine type creature because it was doing something like this. Like it was like it was digging or something. I don't know what it was doing. Um, but then I saw this, I saw like what looked like hands and I don't want to even call them hands because they looked like, uh, a cross between a raccoon's hands and human hands, but mm -hmm. I didn't get a, I didn't get a good look at it from a block away. It was when it came closer and I saw it, you know, to my, to my right that I actually saw what it was. Well, when it lifted up those those pod like hands, that's when I knew that there was something 
you know, at that point, you know, I don't even remember the details at that point, you know, going until I started walking in front of the neighbor's house. I just remember looking down. I felt like a burn on my neck right here and my shirt was ripped and I kind of was like touching it like what the heck, you know, and I looked down and I had one of those big drinks, you know, like the the kidney killer, 44 ounces, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and it was laying on the ground and the bottom of my pant leg was, was wet and there was Dr. Pepper everywhere, you know, and ice. And I remember just looking down and seeing that, you know, how everything just kind of slows down, you know, time just kind of. Right, right. It's like being in a wreck, you know, and, and, and I look up and I, my friend is like, almost his house and i'm still standing there like a bawoso you know and he's he turns around he's yelling at me you know let's go you know whatever and so i started to walk i guess this sounds kind of silly briskly i guess i don't know quickly but not able to run because your legs are like this you know Mm -hmm. and so i couldn't i couldn't run and i just kept walking i kept for some reason i always had this thought in my head the thing was there for me I don't know what, what that just, there was nothing other than just that feeling. I never, you know, nothing ever told me that or anything like that, but I just felt like it was, well, this thing starts coming in between the neighbor's house and his house. Now, luckily for me, or fortunately, however you want to say it, the neighbors had had a big fence that were, was put up around their house. They were, to say the least, bad people, okay? They dealt drugs, and they had, like, eight pit bulls in their yard. And, of course, this is the body, oh, man, you know? Like, it's all kinds of crazy stuff over there, dude. And so the fence, you know, was was really high. It was like, I think it was, like, eight feet high. And the city had told them, you know, get rid of your dogs or put up the fence. So they were, like, real defiant. So they're like, we'll put up a fence, you know? So they did. And then eventually they got kicked out. And for whatever reason, you know, they got evicted or whatever. Um, the police came, I think eventually like seized some property or something. I don't know. I wasn't there at the time when it happened, but anyway, I was walking by and this thing came walking through that yard and it went right up to the fence and I had to walk by that fence and by this creature, um, you know, maybe 10, 12 feet from me at, at my closest point, um, to go to, you know, my friend's house. And he came out and he was all, you know, telling me, I'm the late, you know, get inside, you know. And that was my friend's dad. And he came out and he had the cuarta, he had the, the gun, you know, whatever. And he was pointed at it. That thing was not interested in what he was doing. It didn't care. It wasn't even paying attention to him at all. I looked I looked to my right and I, and I saw, and I didn't smell anything. Like people say they smell like a smell. I didn't smell anything. Uh, the eyes, I don't remember anything unusual about it. Uh, my friend and his family claimed to have seen uh, glowing yellowish amber eyes. Um, after I was told that, then I started kind of thinking, okay, yeah, maybe that. But then again, I always thought maybe that was an idea that was put into my head because, you know, people right. are telling you something and then you kind of start to believe, okay, that's part of it. But I don't re- really remember. And the tail, I didn't see the tail. My friend's sister did. I didn't see it. Um, so, you know, that part, I don't remember that, you know, really much of a tale. I think it had one, but there again, it could have been from them telling me what I did see was the weird looking, it had like these, like, like a dog, like a backward bent leg, the, the hawks, the legs, you know, mm-hmm. um, very much like, like I said, like this creature right here, you know, do you see how the legs are? It looked just like that. And it had these weird looking, you know, pod feet, but they were claws, 
and they kind of latched on like like a couple of digits. They could move obviously independently. I remember this because I remember looking down and like kind of not wanting to look up at it because you're scared to death. And I saw like them kind of wrap around the, the the fence, you know. And, and then I, I I didn't like look directly at it, but I, I in my peripheral I saw the the hand or whatever grab the fence, like the opposite you know hand whatever. And I just remember thinking, this thing is judging how to get over that fence. Like, it's about to jump. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To me, it was purely flesh and blood, purely physical, if that answers uh, Darren's question. But I don't think that it was really flesh and blood. Um, and I'll tell you why. At the time, it was manipulating the fence, and it was a flesh and blood creature. But I don't believe that it that it was because of the information that I uncovered years later. Um, now, and it kind of coincides with people talk about the Cadejo. They talk about the black smoke coming off of it. You know, uh, people in England talk about black shuck and they see the smoke. Um, it's a very common trait in the hellhounds. They're like, they see this, like they smell brimstone fire, you know? And, uh, so anyway, I, I, I didn't smell anything like that, but I saw this thing, you know, like, like it was there, you know, and, and I walked right by it. And I mean, I don't even know how I did it. I don't even know how I went by it. And I just kept my eyes on my friend's dad and I ran toward him. And then he opened the door and we got inside. Well, this thing kind of stalked around the house and it got out of their yard and it went in between and it went right up to the kitchen window. Um, now their house sat up pretty high. It was built as old house. It's about a 130 year old house now. Um, very old. So, you know, it was up high. They've remodeled since and changed things around a little bit, but there was a window there. The neighbor across the, the, the street had come over and they, him and my friend's brother measured from the, the bottom to the, to where the top of the head would have been. It was seven foot five inches. Wow. So this thing was a very large creature. I would probably say six, 700 pounds. When I was a kid, um, me and my cousin, Donnie, we used to, we used to, Go to we go out to the farm. This is on my dad's side of the family. He was a bull rider and a rodeo clown, and now he works in the oil oil fields. But uh, he would he we would go out there and we would take our BB guns and we would shoot at this bull, <laughs> shoot it in the butt. And this, this 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 bull, you know, he would turn and he would he would look at us, and he he hated us. Like he you know we were out in that pasture at our own risk. You know, my great uncle told me, he's like, you go out there and something happens to you, boy, that's on you. Of course, he'd tell my mom on me, all, you know, and then she let me have it, you know. But anyway, he was my great, great uncle, and, and I loved him dearly. But he, he would always tell us, he, you know, he had that cigar. He'd be like, hey, you go out there. You're going to shoot that boy one of these days. He's going to kill you. He's going to run your dad. He's going to kill you, you know. And uh, I would always be like, ah, oh, we're too fast. You know, we're going to get away, you know. And he'd be like, well, all right. And then my great aunt, she was always, like, so terrified that we were going to get killed. So we were out there, you know, seven, eight-year-old kids, you know, in the summertime. I'd spend the whole summer up here in Central Texas. I lived out in Haskell when I was real little up in North Texas. So we would we would get bored, you know. There's a lot to do out there, um, chase chickens and, you know, whatever. So we would shoot at this bull, and then eventually he would start running around the other side of the tank. Well, when he would get close to us, we'd take off running and we'd, we'd jump over the, the electric fence. There was an electric fence there and, and it was the only spot, like it was a barbed wire and then there was like an electric fence right there and then, then it went up like a, just to a certain height and we would jump over it. And that we knew the bull knew he'd been shocked enough. He knew not to go past it. And so I remember one time it caught up to us and my, my cousin 
got hit like in the butt and he flew up about 20 oh, shit. feet and landed on me and we got our legs tailed up and we landed on that electric fence which felt like forever oh. and i was just like ah, you know and so it got me real good i mean it hurt me all the way up into my you know mm-hmm. and it was it was bad yep. and so you know and I, and I remember that bull was just going you know and i remember the ground shaking and i was just you know a foot or two away from that bull he was right there and he was just you know, oh, he wanted, wanted you. Bad. Yeah. And you could see it in his eyes, like the anger, you know, and I could feel the ground shake, you know, like, like that, you know, when this creature that I saw when I was 15, when it took its foot and moved, you could feel it. Like I could feel the ground. It was like, this thing was making, you know, the ground, sh- it was had to be several hundred pounds to be, you know, to, to be able to make it do that, you know? Um, maybe even heavier than that. I don't know. It was just, it was very muscular. Upper body was muscular, like a bodybuilders mm-hmm. and, and just very much like that. It just, it just had this, this big chest and it looked like a, like a man. And that's why Matia always call it the hombre lobo. Now she claimed to have never seen one, but she had a friend that did and she really believed in it. And so the legs had the weird looking backward bent, you know, to them very muscular upper legs, thin kind of, kind of, uh, you know, skinny legs, whatever. Um, the waist is like flacco, you know, it wasn't real heavy, you know, it wasn't real big, but the upper body was massive, you know? And so when this thing was trying to manipulate that fence, hundred percent in my mind, this is a physical creature. And I thought it's going to jump this fence, going to kill me and eat me. That's what's going to happen. I'm doomed. When I got inside, I still didn't feel safe. You know what I mean? I just was like, I wanted a, I wanted a gun or something. Yeah, you were you were like, this isn't over yet. Oh no, it wasn't over yet. No, because it was walking around outside the house, and and so and and it was weird because leading up to this, we'd had a couple different things happen where one of our neighbors' pets got got killed. Um, it was ripped apart. Um, just a few things, weird things happened. People had seen them. Um, in their backyard, I had heard a story. I never got the, the whole story until after this incident, you know, when my friends Bolito told me about this thing that happened to him. Well, I, I, I always believed that it was flesh and blood. Now, here's the weird thing. In December of 2019, my friend's brother was remodeling a house. And uh, I'll answer that question, Gloria, in, in one second. Give me a second. Um, he was remodeling a house. It was actually that house was supposed to be haunted. The rumor was before, even when I was a kid that some man had killed himself. His wife left him or something. I think it was true. And he had killed himself. So everybody always believed that it was haunted. People would see somebody moving around and that nobody would stay there very long. There was a revolving door. And so my friend was remodeling it and I went in there with him and we were talking and we hear this bang, you know, in the master bedroom. And so we looked at each other and I walked and it was right when we were talking about it, I said, you know, aren't you afraid of the ghosts here, you know? Supposedly there's a, a gross ghost that chases people. He's like, he's I've been working here for two months, and I haven't seen anything. And then, boom, we go in there, and the sawhorse is knocked over, and there's these boards are laying all weird, you know? And it's a flat ground, and we're going like, what the heck? Why, why you know, what is that? And he goes, you know, it's weird. He goes, I was just uh, thinking about that thing that happened to, to us when, when, you know, when, when you and Daniel were 15, you know, and, you know, and then he was, he was a few years older than us. He was like 19, you know, but he, but he said that he remembers it like it was yesterday. So we're walking out and we're talking about it. And of course this weird sort of weird paranormal thing, it just happened. It was weird. And uh, he goes, man, I, the one thing I'll always remember is it had like this black vapor coming off the back of its neck. There you go. 
And when he told me that, I was like, wait, what? Like, I asked him, I was like, hey, what black vapor? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? What are you referring to? And he goes, yeah, there was like this kind of uh, like black smoke or something, you know? A mist? Yeah, yeah or a mist. Yeah, he didn't say mist, but I, yeah, like that. And I was like, I was shocked. You know, at that point, 29 years, you know, a little over 29 years, and I had never heard him say that. So I said, I was like, I don't want to say his name because I don't have permission to say his name. But I told him, I said, why did you never tell me that? And he goes, you never asked. And I was like, I just, you know, he's right. I guess all those years, I just kind of assumed that we all saw I had gotten the whole story and I kind of assumed that was it, you know. Um, but that changed everything because even though I didn't see it, that that coincides with what people have told me over the years about this these creatures, you know, and, and Linda Godfrey, you know, a dear friend of mine. And, and we, we've talked many times on and, and off the air. She's been on my show and, mm-hmm. and she believes in the whole where that they're, that they're, they come out of portals and that the, the longer they're in our world, the more physical they have to be. Um, which would make sense if you looked at it through a lens of like the fourth dimension and the third dimension. If you were to go into the second dimension, you would have to become like the second dimensional beings, you know, um, very simply, I tell people, draw a stick figure and then just put like a circle next to it, you know, and, you know, name him Tom, you know, and Tom is a two-dimensional being. He can see this circle just looks like a line to him. Us, to me, Eddie, you, and, and uh, you know, we're sitting there. I mean, and Rick, you know what I'm talking about, right? You just, if you're looking at a piece of paper and you see this, this, this two-dimensional being, it's like those side-scrolling 2D video games like the Mario Brothers. And you see them going across the, the screen. We can see everything that they do, okay? But if, if these beings were real, they would not comprehend us at all. They would have no idea. what They wouldn't grasp the concept of third dimension, just as we don't grasp the concept of fourth dimension. Now, if these things can move in and out of some sort of uh, portal, which quantum physics says it's very possible it's it's not only possible it's probable then by those laws they can move in and out of our world and they can see us and we can't see them now the muslims call it they call them the jinn jinn. which Mm -hmm. the word jinn is hidden now not just muslims but because it predates it goes all the way back to to ancient in you know arabia and persia and all these different you know uh, places in the middle east and they believe that these things are, uh, they live a right angle to a right angle of us and that they're there all the time. We just can't see them. Um, like my friend, my colleague, Nick Valente, he said, you know, a dog man could be standing right next to you, flipping you off and you wouldn't even know it. But once they manifest themselves as physical, then they're there. Now, Linda Godfrey said, once they've been here, it's her, her belief. Once they've been here, they have to, they have to eat, they have to sleep, they have to live by the laws of our dimension. Now, I do believe that's a very real possibility. That's why they're able to manifest themselves. Um, but by the by, you know, by, by the laws of, of them being from that fourth dimension, we can't access that fourth dimension without some sort of the button, peyote, or mm-hmm. DMT or something. Then you can access that because your brain flips and it's able to see, you know, the, the spiritual realm. That's like the how ayahuasca. And, Hiawaski, yeah, basically, yeah, Hiawaski, same thing, yeah. I, I got a guy named Rex that does it for a living down in Costa Rica. Um, but it's crazy 
you know, because I guess it's, I don't know if it's legal there or what, but anyway, he does that, and I've been invited, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I've seen enough already. I don't need to ingest anything <laughs> and see more. Uh, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. My almost already working well, brother. I don't need no more in my head, man. My sister's already got enough. And so I, I, I do believe that these things can manifest themselves. So when he told me that, I, it was, you know, I grappled with it for a while. I was like, what the heck are we dealing with here? And I always thought it was a flesh and blood thing. But uh, anyway, there was, the question was the difference between the chupacabra and the dog, man. El chupacabra, uh, there's two different kinds. And, of course, our colleague, uh, Eddie, uh, our colleague, uh, Ken Gerhard, has done a lot of work with that. Um, we, me and Ken, both have done stories about the chupacabra. And I did a whole show about it, and I... I referenced him i i used him and, and nick redfern as a reference guide because i've seen the blue dogs and i saw them with my wife and i thought it was like oh my gosh i've finally seen another cryptid yeah, i know? saw one of them in real life as well also yeah they're everywhere they are and, and so i called up ken and, and nick and they were like oh, okay yeah that's you know they weren't all excited and i'm like what i I saw another cryptid, dude. It's that's a big deal. They were like, not really. A lot of people see these things, you know. And Ken said he was coming back from a from a, a show like through. He was going through Abilene, and, and he saw one on the side of the like across the road. So, and so now people are calling those blue dogs uh, the chupacabra, but that's not really what they are. Right. The the chupacabra it came from Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of stories about it. Now here's what's weird. There's a creature called Cocopele, and he comes from the Mayan culture, and he has this weird looking like tongue, and and and, and one of the 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 like the drawings on the wall, it's like a like a stone structure on one of the ziggurats. They they found this like picture of this thing inside the the ziggurat, and and it shows it like he's holding something. People think it's a flute. But I think it's a tongue. I think it's some sort of protrusion that they use to stab these animals. And I think that they have been around uh, the, in South America for a long time. And I think that, that they were in Puerto Rico. They were they were there on those islands. I believe that they were there. Um, and I believe that maybe there was something governmental that went on. It's also there. Them. It's also, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, the ones from Costa Rica and all that, they were more bipedal, correct? Yeah, Puerto Rico. Yeah, and even yeah, there are several Latin countries. And and now here's what I was told. I had a Cuban Cuban friend of mine. I have a couple friends that are Cubans, and I told Albert Rosales this. He's a good friend of mine, and uh, I was talking to him. He's written the most comprehensive books on the humanoids, like the you know these extra possible extraterrestrial humanoids encounters. He's just he's just dedicated his life to it. And I, I was talking to him about it, and I said, do you think there's any validity to this? And I was a Cuban friend of mine who told me that when he was a kid, that his uh, his uncles and his dad would would catch these little creatures when they're little, like they look like little uh, uh, duende, like little monitos, you know, they're little, you know. And then they'll take them, and that they would, they would have them as pets when they're little. They're cute. They stand up on their hind legs and run around like a little baby dinosaur. You know, you can't really mess with them because they have these weird looking little ridges on their backs. That's sharp. But he said that they would put them in crates and they would take them to Mexico and they would sell them as pets to the Mexicans and to the Puerto Ricans and all this stuff. And that they were from Cuba. That's what he said. And he said that Dominican Republic and then from there they went to Miami. They went to all these different places, you know, and he said that they became 
uh, a part of the, a lot of them that survived, they became a part of the environment. Um, and they're really, they're actually shy by nature and that they're not real out there in the open and they, they kill with this sort of protrusion that comes out of their, their mouth and they drink blood. And it's really weird. It, it was like, a, I got a story from a guy who was a Puerto Rican. I used to work for a security company. I was working with this guy who was a Puerto Rican. And uh, he told me a weird story about him and his grandfather going out and, and actually catching one in the act of if killing a chicken. He said it was down on all fours. He had this weird looking like snout, real thin, you know. And he said it was kind of splayed out on all fours, but it was very wolf-like. It had like almost like fur on it, you know. And he said that it looked it had like a ridge on his back, and his grandfather shot it. And when he did, it turned and it started like convulsing and kind of flipping around, and 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 you know shaking or whatever. And he said it looked almost like a spider when you when you, when they start you know jumping around like you spray them with raid or something. And he said that it turned like sort of into like this reptilian-looking creature. And it, and it changed like form, but it still had kind of the snout looking thing. And he said that there was like this long tongue that had come out. And uh, he told me that his dad, his dad, his grandfather had killed one before. And so he said that, 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 that this was in Puerto Rico. Now he told me and another guard I used to work with, he told us this story. And I asked him again, another time I was working at him at this uh, plant where we were doing security at. And so I worked with him one night and I asked him again, just to catch, you know, details. Maybe he changed his story or something. Maybe he's meeting also. I don't know. Maybe he's just making up stuff, whatever. So I asked him, I said, you know, about that story. And he told the story again, you know, and he was very poignant. He said, look, this is what happened, you know, didn't change anything, didn't add anything to it. It was just, it is what it is. This is, this is the story. And so I always thought that that weird looking creature, um, you know, was a chupacabra, you know, and that it had some sort of ability to change its shape. Maybe it would pretend to be another animal. Um, but the way he described it very much looked like the, the Coco Pelli, um, creature of Mayan legend. And maybe there is something to the story that these, uh, Cubans had brought these creatures, you know, from their jungles into these other countries because they lived under communism and they would do anything to make money, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, if they had to sell cocaine or, you know, ship uh, exotic animals and they'll do it, you know, that's, um, what I was that, that, that's, that's weird that, you know, because the, you know, we, Cuba has been so closed off that there's so many things going on that we don't know about, you know, mm -hmm. and we're probably not going to know about it until it's all said and done or until, you know, these communists are done just you know, destroying everything. Uh, when, once that happens, you know, and may, maybe we can, you know, eventually get, you know, then maybe the stories will come out. Um, and maybe it was from uh, Cuba originally and then ended up in Puerto Rico, you know, and whatever. Redfern told me he had never heard anything like that. He did go to Puerto Rico. Of course, the Puerto Ricans are going to say, well, it's from Puerto Rico. The Cubans are going to say it's from Cuba. Who knows where it originally came from? But the, the Mexicans say that they've been there for a long time, too. I mean, and if if, if the, the, the pictures of this little little creature to be believed in, in the, the temples it's been on the mainland for a long time that's what i was going to ask you as far as it um from the dogman to the chupacabra to the um uh sasquatch to um all these things that that, that are related so to speak can and are they do you think multicultural 
Yeah, I do. I mean, because like, I, I think that I did a, I did a, sh- a show called the Gugwe and then one called the, the Genosqua, which are a regional type of native American legend of Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that on the whisper to a scream with Ryan Tremblay and the guy really knows his stuff. Like he does a lot of research into that and he did a lot of research on the Wendigo and we've been planning to record a Wendigo. Mm-hmm. And and I think that they're all related. I think Wendigo and Skinwalker are just two different names, same creature, the rake, it's all the same, you know, but I think that what we're getting is the Genosqua and the Gugweed, supposedly Port Chatham, what happened up in Alaska. If you go to David Weatherly, he's a dear friend of mine, read his book mm-hmm. about Alaskan cryptids. He came on the show. Now he's written a ton of books about all these different States. I think he's up to like 20 of them or something now, you know, but the Alaskan one really caught me because I've only been to Alaska once and it was, you know, giant waste of my time actually, but I got paid. So whatever. (laughs) It wasn't a a fun trip. It was to bodyguard a real jerk. But anyway, what ended up happening uh, up in Port Chatham was that back in the 1800s, late 1800s, there was a, there was a whole trapping and and the fishing village there. And uh, they got ran off because people started being killed by some sort of, bipedal hairy ape-like creature um the descriptions of it to me fit the gugwe the gugwe to me is an in-between creature it has a muzzle i had a guy from near spokane washington give me a story crazy story like he he was a meter reader and he read like uh uh gas meters and he was you know backed up onto a hill and he was down there reading these meters he's a very large african-american guy and he told he's a pretty funny guy. We we're talking and he goes, dude, he's like, it's bad enough. You know, this is back in the, you know, the eighties and you see this large black guy messing with something in your backyard, you know, and then I turn around and I got to see this freaking creature behind me. Now here's the description he gave me. He said, it looked like kind of like an ape had straight legs, not the backward bent legs of the indicative of this canine variant dog man said it had a short muzzle, but when it opened its mouth, it roared. And, of course, there's that infrasound where it just like... Right, that rumble. Yes, yes. And so he said it did it like did that, and he said, I, he goes, dude, I felt like I was melting, you know? He take an egg and just fry it, and it just, he just, like, I felt like I was just, you know? And he goes, I look at this thing, and I'm going, what am I looking at? And he goes, obviously, the people that were at that house, they weren't there. And so he goes, first thing I did was try to go into the, you know, there's the doors locked. He has no, this thing is coming toward him. So he just ran, you know, um, went around the, the side of the house and was just, just headed down the, um, uh, the embankment. It was like an embankment, like, you know, and he got down to the road. It was like a gravel road. And he said that his truck was right. There was one of those little small trucks, you know, how those Dotsons and right, right. little trucks i know you remember this from the 80s uh guys uh you know because we're, we're you know closer to age and millennials probably don't even remember these they called them toy trucks mm-hmm. he goes i was about to get in, into my truck it was a work truck and he said I, it was right behind me and he said i could smell it it smelled like rotten garbage and he jumped into the back of that truck and then back out of the truck because he didn't have time to turn and there was no poop 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 getting into the truck back in the 80s you had to stick the key in and turn it and open the door and all that. That's how you got in. There was none of this just instant lock and, you know, whatever. And he didn't have that, you know, I mean, there might've been, but there weren't many people with it. So he's like, I just had to keep running. And he goes, and then I hear, and he looks back and his truck, that thing had just pushed the truck out of the way. Like it wasn't anything. 
and the truck kind of rolled. He's like, I just kept running, going downhill, you know, and then I kind of slid. And then next thing you know, I get down to a clearing and there's a highway. So he's like, so I just ran toward the highway. And once I got, you know, by the road, I started trying to, to flag people down, wave people down. And he goes, and I'm a, I'm a very large black guy, you know, in a predominantly white area. And he goes, nobody's, nobody's stopping for some crazy black guy screaming, Hey, stop. You know? <laughs> so he's like, he's like, he's like, Finally, he said, this police officer, this highway patrolman pulled up and was like, he put up his hands, you know, like, Hey, help, help. You know? So the guy gets out and goes, what's going on? And he said that, you know, he goes, goes up to the car he's trying to get into the guy's car you know and the guy's like sir you need to calm down you need to calm down and he goes there's something after me you know and he's like he turns around and there's this thing standing there and that police officer's like get in the get in the car so they both like you know <laughs> boom they took off and he was like what the heck is that thing is i don't know it just destroyed my truck and i'm you know and so he's like he calls says hey you know i'll get some people over here to go investigate whatever and he said once they got about six officers then they went up there to look at it and they told him do you want to get out and he's like he's like no i don't i don't i have no desire to get out of this vehicle he's like i'm i'm like locked in the vehicle i didn't want to go out i didn't want to get in and then they're t- they told him hey you got to get out of the car you know you can't just stay in our cop car all day but it was it was it was crazy you know he said i, I saw it it was right there and when he gave me the description of the face, it looked like a, a cross between like a, a Bigfoot and a freaking dog man. Hmm. Now, when you start coming across these stories, dude, you get more and more of them. And, and people will say, well, I saw a Bigfoot, you know, and then I'll tell them, well, what did it look like? Well, it had a snout. And I'm immediately going like, that's not a Bigfoot. Or they'll say, I saw a dog man. What did it look like? Well, it had a prehensile tail. That's not a dog, man. You know, you saw something, yeah. And I'm not thinking that it's, it's you're making up whatever, but I it's not what I would classify it's, as one of these. Creatures. It's like I had a couple of police officers, or actually ahead, one Ed. one actual police officer that uh, I spoke to, and he was out of, uh, I believe, Ohio area. And he was making a call for a bear in a garbage can, and he went over there to go investigate it. And the guy goes, I don't know. He goes, I heard it rattling around. I got my dogs in, got my kids in. And, you know, just be careful going out there. He goes, I'm armed. He goes, so if you, I hear shots, I'll come help. So uh, the officer said, not a problem. You know, I've handled a ton of these. So he went back to his patrol car, grabbed his shotgun, and he had it loaded with a slug and buckshot and oh, yeah. uh, went back around the building and with the flashlights stood about 10 feet away from this creature that was about eight feet tall and picked up the shotgun and was aiming at it and this thing was bipedal standing on two legs he said it had a bodybuilder type uh, chest and abdomen area extremely long arms with these very pronounced hands with long fingers sharp claws it was uh, facing sideways he said he could see it had a very short snout he said but it had really big teeth he goes he could see the ears on the top of its head just barely sticking out the tuft of the hair and he said it didn't have a tail that he noticed he said, but it never turned to stare at him. And I asked him, I was like, why didn't you pull the trigger? I mean, you got a shotgun, you got a slug, you're like 10 feet. You know, you could have taken this thing down. He go, he said, uh, I don't think it would have worked out in my favor. Now, when you have somebody say that, you know, and, and you know, you know, a 12-gauge shotgun with a slug in it, you know, that thing could put down just about anything. It'll stop a car, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't think it's going to stop this creature. I mean, you got to feel pretty small. He goes, I was scared to death. He says, when I backed away he goes this thing turned never faced me never even looked at me he goes it turned around and walked away on two legs back into the brush and he says i worked my way back to the patrol car got in put my shotgun up he he said and i literally hung out the car door and started throwing up just out of fear 
Wow. How tall how tall was it? He said it was about eight feet tall. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big boy. And I wonder if it was one of what they call the soldier types, the fat heads. You know, the, I, the really big heads. I, I say I would have pulled the trigger, but I don't know. I wasn't there. You know, I can speculate all I want. But since I'm not there, I can't second guess the man, you know. Um I, I don't know what I'd have done. I, I you know, me personally, just from training, I think I'd have probably I, I wanna say I would have shot, but I can't say for a fact. Yeah, I, I I think that one of the things that we're dealing with here is they, they, they cause such a fear and like a panic in you, like what happened to me, like my shirt was ripped. Now I wasn't a wealthy kid. So I had a few good shirts and that <laughs> when I got home, that was like a point of interest to my mother. Like, how'd you rip your shirt? You know, um, I didn't, you know, what was I going to say? I saw a werewolf, you know, but when I told her she didn't like not, be- she didn't like not believe me. She just kind of was like, okay, which was odd. My mom was, was very vocal about if <laughs> she thought I was lying, you know, and, uh, she didn't, it was, she didn't blink. She was just like, okay. And, 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 and I didn't get grounded. Um, and I didn't get, you know, she just, she was still trying to spank me at that time. I was 15. I was a big <laughs> kid. My mom was still trying to hit me with the chancla, man. I'm not kidding. Hey man, people make jokes. You do chancla, not, but that's a real thing. Yeah. You do not mess with the mom with the chancla. Because they could sail that sucker from two rooms away and hit you around a corner. That's right. My mom would hit me with any shoe, though. She'd have whatever shoe was handy, you know, and she would tell me, you know, you know, you want to behave? And, you know, and and hit you with every syllable, Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) Absolutely. It was like, yeah. Well, growing up with a Mexican mom is very different, you know. Like I was making a joke about uh, on somebody's show about watching Cookie Monster, you know, and watching him throwing cookies in his mouth and wasting all that food. And my mom was very big on, you don't waste food, you know? And so I was sitting there watching, I would watch that and get like this. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I think I was getting anxiety <laughs> because he was like, I kept expecting his mom to come in and go, bam, you know, nothing ever happened to him. And then you get older and you're like, Oh, it's a puppet, you know? And that's even worse. Cause they're just wait, he's just wasting food. So I went over to one of my friend's house, my friend Ronnie, and he was a, you know, he was, uh, you know, his, both, both his parents were white, you know, and his good friend of mine, I went over there and he was doing like an imitation with like fig Newtons, you know, and I'm sitting there watching him and I'm like, dude, I would eat that. And you're just wasting. <laughs> and so I thought his mom's going to come in any minute and just bam upside the head with yep. the chancla, you know, and she comes in there and she's like, Oh, you're doing cookie monster. Oh, and I was just like, wow. No <laughs> I'd have got beat Nothing's for that. Happened to this kid. Everything's fine. He just wasted a sleeve of fig Newtons, <laughs> you know, for it was, you know, it's just a different mind. It's a different mentality, you know. Well, I hate to say it, but we are out, we're out of time pretty much. We're gonna have to cut it. But uh Josh, I wanna let you go first. We normally do like closing comments, closing statements, and uh mm-hmm. let everybody know where they can find you and listen to you and listen to your show because this is just so fascinating. We could go for hours, man. And like I said, we're gonna have to get on the phone and literally talk about this stuff and, and spend some time uh discussing some of our uh our uh, encounters that we've had both of us and uh rick yeah. you know you as well jump on there and we can talk and uh do some more of this and i'd like to have you back on the show at some point if you think you can do it oh yeah yeah i mean now, now that i've been on your show and, and I'm, I'm comfortable talking to you guys and, and you know you're not weird <laughs> we, we talk about weird stuff but you guys are pretty normal i, I was on a guy's show and he started 
I, I'm going I'm to be real honest with you. I was on this guy's show. He started talking about dogmen driving cars and flying planes oh, and using computers. And I'm over there like, what, dude? Like, I did not. <laughs> you know, and then their breeding habits. I'm like, I don't. So I literally, I, I, and I never do, I never really am rude, you know, but I just said, I, I'm not going to do this. Okay. You know, and then he was like, oh, okay. Well, you wanna... And I'm like, well, I, I guess we just believe differently, sir. I don't, you know. And so we had kind of a difference of opinion. And, yeah. Kind know, of agree to disagree and move on. Yeah, and so I kind of was like after that, and then I had somebody else to try to edit my words out. So I told them, "Look, if you don't change that, then something's going to happen." Yeah, that's that's BS or whatever. And see, that's the one thing I tell everybody. You know, like when we have them on the show, is you know whatever we say, however the show goes, that's how it's put out. You know, there's no changing yeah. it. You know, it's you know it's live, and this is the way we do it. And end of story. And I'm glad you guys we were able to get it together whatever um both of you are welcome to come on my show some at some time Shoot, and, and maybe we can do a show together and we can love talk it. about a lot of this stuff when, and and i will do two or three part episode you know with you guys and eddie you can talk about what you know ricky you can talk about what you know and y'all be my guests and we'll absolutely have a, a roundtable discussion about it yeah absolutely would love to be a it'd be an honor i'd appreciate it thank you yeah and uh so i mean if you would like to tell everybody you know where they can go to check you out and listen sure yeah, it's prtpodcast.com is the website, but PR, Josh Turner at prtpodcast.com. You can send me your stories or you can friend me through Facebook on Messenger. I keep my friends list really tight and I, I don't keep a lot of friends on there. I only I, I reserve it for family, friends in my real in, in my in my personal life and then my fans. That's pretty much it. I don't really allow some people like to have all these people on there so they can spam their groups and all that stuff. I don't do that. So if you're if I know you, I know you. If you're a fan of the show, send me a friend request. And if you tell me, hey, I saw you on Paranormal Analytical, I'll just say, hey, okay, and then you can become a friend until you prove me that you're not and everything's cool. Um, my Facebook groups are Paranormal Roundtable group page. We have a Paranormal Roundtable prayer group. My, my wife started and then hers, her, her group is called Paranormal Lounge. Um, my godson, who co-hosts with me part-time sometimes, his, his, his is Paranormal Encounters. And then we have another one, uh, I'm I'm the admin of like three or four others, and I'm in a I'm dogman discussion, dogman werewolf discussion group. I'm an admin, I'm an administrator in that group, and so uh, those are the groups you can find me at. And there's several others that I'm in that I admin. I can't even list them all, but um, yeah. And so if you want to find me and talk to me, and 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 we do a giveaway on our show every week. We give away books. Um, we do, uh, you know, PRT swag, uh, we give away like hats and shirts and just, we have every week we do a giveaway. And so if you, one of your listeners, in fact, on this show, if you want to pick somebody on here, um, I'll actually send you an autographed book from Ken Gerhard since he's a mutual friend of me and Eddie's that brought us together. So, um, I think I would uh, be willing to give away one of his autographed books to one of your listeners along with a PRT hat. Wow, so, that's awesome! Yeah, man, that's it great, seems like man. Darren Wedlock deserves it. He keeps popping up. <laughs> so, <laughs> D- Darren uh, is an avid listener. He's been with us from the beginning. You know, he's he's watched and watched, and he's we've had him on the show several times. I mean, great guy, and uh, we always call him the sexiest voice in podcasts because he's got that New Zealand accent. Oh yeah, he's a Kiwi. Yeah, <laughs> Kiwi. There you go. Yeah, because see the 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 uh, New Zealanders, you know, I'm not going to get into the whole history of it. He knows. But anyway, uh, they're, they're, they don't like being called Australians. 
That's a, that's a big no-no when it comes to that. They're very, very like, I'm, is that true, Darren? An Aussie. I'm an, I'm a New Zealander, you know, it's a big difference, you know? And uh, I liked, I liked their, their uh, country. It's very beautiful. Lord of the Rings was filmed there. Yep. Um, one last thing, YouTube, we do a live stream every Tuesday on, on YouTube. Eddie, you, Rick want to come on, jump on one time, one day, and awesome. talk a little bit. And then we can promote for you guys doing a Friday podcast with me. The podcasts uh, are recorded at random. And then, we uh, drop them on Friday. And, yeah, you're right, Darren. It, it does cost a lot. I sent to my friend uh, Jason McFadden, I sent him a book, and it cost me like $108 just to send wow. like a little thin book. Yeah, it's very expensive, the the shipping to uh, the, the land of the Kiwi. But So, anyways, um, if, you, if you look for me on YouTube every Tuesday at like around 8 o'clock, we do a two- to three-hour live stream. We talk about all kinds of weird stuff. And then I drop a, a Friday episode every Friday, and we're on several different platforms. I think we're on like seven different podcast platforms, wow. including YouTube. We're on about eight. So Stitcher, I think we're on Spotify. We're on all those. And you can go to YouTube and find me real easy. Go to Facebook and, and – and, uh, you can find my groups on their paranormal roundtable group page. Yeah, and, that's uh, I first saw you. Uh, JS yeah. says, uh, "Is this on YouTube too?" I can't have Facebook open at work. Uh, I don't know. Is this on YouTube right now? Is it? No, we're we're not on, on YouTube, YouTube. But he, I, I think he's talking about your show. Oh, my show. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you can go to YouTube and find it. Just look up Paranormal Roundtable with Josh Turner. Um, pops right up, and and uh, everybody uh, calls me Wolf. That's my nickname. And uh, if you go, I think nearly every live stream and every episode is on there. And then I have um, like a playlist of shows I've been on. Um, so, you, you know, and I'm going to add – more you know that, that i've done this past month i've done a bunch so um yeah and every time i do a show i talk about i talk about little different things or whatever but uh um my story has never been told on my show my wow. encounter was never told on my show i've told it on other people's shows i even did it for a british magazine but never never told it on my show wow um so yeah i've told it on three or four other shows but uh that's pretty much it i'll just refer to them to you guys and to tony merkel and say hey go listen to their show and you can get the, the story whatever but uh it was good chatting with you guys thanks for having me on and sorry for the issues we had getting going oh not a problem man we, we i i think we live with issues every time we start a show don't we there rick yeah yeah a yeah. couple times so Rick, you need to do that good medicine. Get rid of those uh, that bad negative energy. Get get it on there. Mojo's got to go. You know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Rick, you're right. up, buddy. Josh, thank you so much for being on the show, and I've really enjoyed your company, and and you bring a extra life to the paranormal, so to speak, and I like that. Uh, like you, I can usually tell if who's on the show is real. And who really is just advertising, so to speak, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And uh, I find you very, very intriguing. And I'd love to get to know more about your stories and about what, what's going on with you. And you're right. There's a lot of things between the Native American and the Mexican world and everything else going, going on in between. And I'd love to talk with you about that. Eddie, yeah, absolutely. Eddie, thanks for a great show tonight and for having Josh. I appreciate that. 
Thank you, Rick, and thank you, Josh. Josh, I want to thank you also. Uh, Man, it's been an honor to have you on here. I've heard so many things about you that are all good and all positive, and I just want to tell you that we really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show and share your stories. Uh, It's it's always, always great to have somebody with your type of professionalism on the show that can sit there and, and talk about stories and tell things that, you know, a lot of people, including us, you know, we don't have a whole lot of knowledge of. And that's what's great about having you on here is that you bring a whole new light to the paranormal and, and what we do and all of us do and what we're all striving for to, as a as a way to try and prove the existence of some of these things. And, and we look yeah, at trying continuing to get to it. the bottom of it. Yeah. Right. And we're going to keep trying to get to the bottom of it and keep trying to prove it and, and find different ways of proving it and thinking outside the box. So thank you so much. And thank you, Rick, for being on the show. Thank you for also yes, uh, all that you do and all you contribute to the show also, Rick. And I want to thank everybody that's out there right now listening to us that's within the reach of our voice right now for being on the show with us for listening for tuning in for supporting us and for putting in your two cents worth because everything that you say on chat you know as you know we try and push it out onto the channel as well so that everybody can see it everybody can hear it if we can and we try and get those questions answered and we're always here to help anybody that needs it so we appreciate you guys we love y'all thank you so much god bless and we'll see you again next time on Paranormal Analytical. Take care, all. Good night, gentlemen. Good night. Thank you.